Just before we start the show, I wanted to remind you about this year's London Vet Show, which is at the Excel Arena on Thursday the 12th and Friday the 13th of November, and as ever, promises to be a brilliant event. I went to the vet show for the first time last year to record these podcasts, and I wondered why the heck I'd missed it before. Our lovely friends at the Vet Show are offering Borborygamy listeners a fantastic 10% off via a special link, which is, ready, london.vetshow.com forward slash borborygamy hyphen booking. It's a bit of a mouthful, but it's in the show notes. So just hit the link there and book your tickets today with the code LVS20. Thanks to London Vet Show. Hi there, and welcome to Borborygmy, Noises from the Veterinary Profession, a new podcast that lets you overhear conversations between veterinary professionals about anything and everything that's topical in the industry. This season, we'll be bringing you a range of chats recorded at the London Vet Show, featuring a wide range of friends and colleagues discussing their thoughts on some of the triumphs and tribulations encountered by those in the veterinary industry. Borborygmy is a collaboration between the London Vet Show, Vet Times, Vets Stago Diversify and Smashing the Ceiling. Thank you so much to everyone involved so far for your help and support. It has been much appreciated. Laura Hyam graduated from Edinburgh University in 2008 and having been in practice in both the UK and New Zealand, now works for FAI, the Farm Animal Initiative, advising on the sustainability of food and livestock supply chains. She has a particular interest in international animal health, the future of food production and environmental issues, which led her to set up Vet Sustain, in the process meeting Anna Judson, the Junior Vice President of SPIVs. Anna was a partner and practice owner for many years, and after selling her practice recently, is now further pursuing her interests in wildlife conservation and climate change. They're talking about sustainability in this episode, and you'll hear Laura first. What I find is that, although I'm not in practice and don't have that day-to-day um, sort of satisfaction, I suppose, of seeing animals get better under my care, um, I, I suppose we try and make very small uh, stepwise changes in supply chains or kind of dramatic shifts in policy and when that happens it affects millions if not billions of animals across the globe and that's what I absolutely I absolutely love that and um, seeing that progress is really exciting. On top of that I set up Vet Sustain in um, in October the 4th of October uh, with the support of an incredible group of people uh, that now form our steering group. We have um, quite a big group of 18 people from across the profession that are absolute advocates and very very passionate about sustainability in in all senses um, affecting the profession. So um, sustainability in practice, um, the sustainability of, of sort of pet pet uh, ownership and pet food that sort of thing the sustainability of agriculture and food production um, AMR and medicine usage um, animal welfare in life and death super super important and of course wildlife and conservation um, and this emerging climate c- catastrophe that we are currently that is currently unfolding in front of us and um, everybody on the steering group and as we're de- we've soon realised a huge number from across the profession are deeply concerned about this but also we acknowledge um, the very, very unique niche that vets hold in society at the interface between the animals, people and the environment. Uh, and it's absolutely time that we leverage that further 
um, to drive change. We already do a lot, um, for sure. There are some incredible groups, um, especially amongst vet nurses, actually, that are doing some brilliant things in practice. Uh, but now I feel like it's time to bring us all together, step back, look at all these areas and, and start driving meaningful change. I think a lot of the questions we've had so far have been, um, what exactly should I do? You know, vets are so busy and we have um, a huge mandate in its in its own right to protect the animals under our care. That is stressful, it's busy, um, and uh, that's what we all um, became vets to do. Um, but once you look slightly broader, you think, um, actually, there is um, a, a broader environmental and ethical challenge here um, that we can contribute to. Vets don't necessarily have the time to look into all the, the evidence base for, for every step that they should take to, to um, drive positive impact. That's what Vet Sustain can do. We are currently working on a number of toolkits that are hopefully free to download, digestible, evidence-based, um, that, that may include a handbook, a carbon calculator, a self-assessment, that sort of thing. We're working on these with partners and trying to find funding to run these toolkits and develop them um, using um, the consultants that have expertise in this area. So uh, we're currently on the lookout for partners um, to help us develop these toolkits to really give vets what they are asking for today, which is, you know, what should I do? I don't have time or knowledge to um, investigate every single area of sustainability. What can I do and can you tell us? And that's what Vet Sustain will help the profession to, to do. But the main thing is, is the first thing to do is you need to measure what's going on. What, what is your carbon footprint, both personally and within your practice? Um, and that is probably one of the biggest things, that the most useful things that we can create for Vet Sustain straight off it will be a carbon calculator, which has been designed with veterinary practice in mind, uh, so that it, to make it easy for people to get some you know, baseline of where they are. She then systematically worked with investors in the environment. She had an advisor that took her through the process that they have created, a step-by-step -step process where you look at every aspect of your business. But what she's successfully done is not, they've not ended up, Davis, not viewing sustainability as one sort of separate area. So that we have anesthesia, we have nursing, we have pain management, we have um, surgery, and then we have sustainability. What she's really achieved is integrating the principles of sustainability in every area of their working day. So by creating um, a green group and then leading all the different departments to think about every action that they take, um, and the stepwise process to invest in the environment, there are other organisations out there that do this sort of thing, but I think this was the one she chose because she felt it matched up best with their needs in practice gave her a very systematic way of working through it so they didn't miss any areas and one of the things which I think has shocked all of us we perhaps were aware of it but not to the same extent is just how much anesthetic gases contribute to carbon footprints so there are some big asks now of the sort of anesthesia world of what is there going to be their advice for us to be able to reduce it it's not just a question of reducing it to low flow anesthesia but it's actually perhaps looking at fundamentally how we approach anesthesia and then she's done things that they've promoted things like bike use and active travel they've looked at energy suppliers so she has identified all the, the easy sort of quick wins that practices can make but also looking at the more long-term detail of how do you get how do you access your um your or your procurement um, aspect really where you get your supplies from um and trying to not just manage waste i think waste tends to be one of the big ones that people think of because it's so visible but actually from a carbon footprint point of view it's not actually one of the big things but it's there as part of the things that need to be considered but she it's amazing just what she achieved within the profession in such a short pace of time 
as you can tell, I'm a huge admirer. <laughs> I just um, <laughs> love a fangirl. Um, I'm kind of interested um, as an equine vet. Um, we all spend a lot of time driving, and we all drive diesel cars. And I was wondering what your thoughts on that sort of thing were for particularly large animal vets laws in the profession as a whole. Because I think when I think about my own carbon footprint, and I'm not in full time clinical practice anymore, but we've got a pretty big boot print. Yeah, I think that's certainly one area. And again, the in-practice initiatives that we hopefully will start to um, talk about will will support practice in that. So looking at um, how ambulatory vets might become much smarter at, at um, dividing up the, the, the caseload um, to reduce mileage. Um, also looking at obviously medicine use um, and looking at, as Anna says, the environmental footprint of the practice itself in terms of um, energy use, but also things like the financial um, structures as well. Pension plans is a massive one, apparently, in terms of um, divestment of fossil fuels. So you can have a big impact in that way. Also looking at bank accounts, so of the practice and personally, um, there's a huge amount there. But one thing I'd also like to say is we've got the um, in practice side of things we've also got the sectors we influence which for me um, as a vet and consultant for food businesses is really interesting um, and quite critical so looking at agriculture as one example again vets are, hold an incredible niche we get out onto farms every day um, mixed and farm animal vets um, and we are trusted advisors to our farm animal clients there's going to be a point where farm animal um, clients start asking us our opinions on reducing um, climate impacts of, of, of meat, milk and egg production um, and we I want us to be empowered to be able to answer that and to provide really relevant advice um, and to drive it as well in our herd health planning potentially. Um, on the equine vet side it's really interesting, we've been working um, a little with, the, with Beaver, they came to our community mastermind session this morning uh, which was brilliant and I'm really interested in looking at how we can help horse owners to also improve um, the environmental impact of, of their um, hobbies, of their sports, um, of of, the, of those working animals in some cases um, so looking at land use is a really good one how can we improve um, paddocks for horses that will promote biodiversity um, how can we um, how can we look at um, grasslands and using mixed herbal lays for example that might have dual benefits for um, biodiversity but also um, potentially nutrition as well and reducing um, uh, worm burdens that sort of thing is, is of interest certainly in the farm animal side that could be translated across and there's a whole wealth of other things Things there, um, also horse feed, and where we stop, where we procure that from, and how we make that more sustainable. Soya and palm oil um, sourcing um, that goes into animal feeds. Um, certainly in um, in dairy and the monogastric sectors, you, you get um, both palm oil and soya in some of those feed rations. And it's about looking at those and, and thinking: can we can we ensure that they are um, part of the responsible soy sourcing? Um, uh, framework and, and drive it that way so the, there is so much to get our teeth into um, but yeah I'm really interested in the horse side because um, it's something that um, hasn't been touched on yet to my knowledge in the profession. But interesting one of the things that I have seen in the horse sector um, is that events I hadn't realised that not only organisations or companies can actually get accreditation um, to environmental standards but actual events can so one of the things that SPIVS VMG is considering is um, we've been looking at how can we can make our congruences and CPD um, have a lower carbon footprint integrally but we can actually 
do it further and then get accreditation for those events. And one of the things that I notice is that Burley Horse Trials has been investors in the environment accredited. So it looks as if the equine world in some areas has already started to ask that question. Um, and there was another article that I read recently about you know the, the horse, the transport of horses um, globally to different competitions and so on. So there's there's every industry looks to me as if it's starting to ask questions which is fantastic because asking questions and just looking at what you're currently doing is is the start of the process and we want the vets to be asking those questions as well and starting those discussions yeah so cool i'm doing a lot of enthusiastic nodding Um. one of the things that i also quite like the idea of is that every practice will give cpd budgets to their teams so a simple thing that everybody could do is alongside a cpd budget why don't we give everybody a carbon budget to go with it so that Everybody who decides to go to CPD just stops and thinks about could they get there by trans- public transport? You know, asking these questions. Perhaps CPD providers can be factoring in um, to make it easy for people to get to places on public transport. Maybe they could have um, a little website attached to say, is there any car sharing that could be delivered alongside it? You know, looking at what can be done online or not. So that um, I, I understand that certain universities have already done that with their researchers. So research organisations um, actually give carbon budgets. So you, know, you might bike to work every day, but that's great. But that gives a little bit more budget to go a bit further away for CPD. It's not that overall we should be trying to lower it but it's recognizing in the real world and certainly at this stage we're not at the stage where we can eliminate travel um, from within the veterinary sector but we can actually start asking questions about it and that's what's so fantastic is that suddenly all these things that perhaps we just haven't given thought to it's not that we haven't wanted to um, or couldn't have done it sooner we didn't perhaps many of us realize that we should be asking those questions one very tangible thing vets can do for sustainability is to support Vet Sustain's uh, current campaign to um, try and get the profession to declare a climate emergency. So you can go to our website, vetsustain.org, and on there you can be directed to our pledge page and you can sign up um, for that. What we're hoping to get to is a thousand signatures by the new year um, and then we will declare a climate emergency as a profession. Um, So that's something that I feel is probably a bit late uh, but so necessary and we need to get on with that now so um, vets can really help us and veterinary professionals vet nurses technicians etc can really help us by signing that petition thanks for listening i'm naomi meller vet and host of smashing the ceiling you may have heard a little bit of me in these episodes or the fabulous sophie walsh also a vet and full-time science documentary maker who co-hosted these sessions with me we'd love you to rate and review the podcast or tell a friend if you enjoyed it And we'll be back next week with another episode.